For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi everybody, this is Marlene. Uh, I just finished doing that uh, great interview with uh, Carol Bonayos. Uh, she streamed it on Facebook. I wasn't able to put the video on because of course we were doing it on Zoom, but I urge you to check her out on Facebook. Okay, uh, it's, it was a great interview. She's, we talked about so many interesting things um, that, uh, that ultimately lead to the conclusion like everything that everything is connected mind body physical spiritual metaphysical etc um i hope you enjoy this interview it was but a great interview up to whatever point there are some total of their life experiences some they remember most of them remember a lot of it we get driven by things that sometimes we don't remember because either we blocked it out or it happens when we were a kid but ultimately i think everybody wants two things you either well two you want to be happy and you want to matter how's that mm -hmm. now matter i think depends for some people matter means celebrity you know like being recognized for some people it's being you know do something meaningful whether it's you know being a parent or philanthropist or you know if they're into their work you know workaholic you know what they do for a living success in that area um it, but I think what matters to all of us is being happy and we see being happy as hot to for me to be happy I, you know you know that thing about figuring out your purpose you know everybody equates to being happy with that that will make me happy um, that will um, make a difference like in other words that I will not pass from this earth as in Nobody know it makes a difference, you know, but nobody recognized it. Um, and I, I want to say that human beings are very complex, but at the same time, very simple. We just want to be happy and matter in whatever we decide to matter in, which sometimes, by the way, does change. Mm -hmm. Okay. In your 20s, you could be really big into being a good parent. And, you know, you've heard of people that their kids grow up, do their thing. And it's like the ones that don't want to let go then there's times that they reinvent themselves. You know, there's, it doesn't mean like it has to be static. Hey, what I thought was going to be fulfilling in my 20s, it's got to be the same as when I'm in my 50s or my 40s, you know, or vice versa. People sometimes, they get older and they don't want to let go of um, of what they were in their teens. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. Um, one time I had a client, this was in hypnotherapy. She was 
you know, I'm in South Florida and down here we have South Beach, you know, which is a big mm-hmm. nightclub, you know, hot spot where every party town, in other words. Mm-hmm. And she came to me and she was like, uh, she wanted a hypnosis because she was a little bit anxious. And we started talking. That's, that's always the way it goes. And she starts telling me, she was, I want to say, she was like around 34, 35. She was, oh, you know, all my friends, everybody's like gotten married or they have kids and I can't understand. I just don't get it. I, I want to party. I want to keep on, you know, apparently she'd had this great last like 15 years of her life being a party girl down in South Beach, which is fine. But of course, like everything, people, they shift and all of a sudden you realize all my friends are not, I, I'm calling people up. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, either I'm married or no, ma'am, I, my kids. <laughs> so all of a sudden your friends start and she really, really, really did not get it. I told her, look, you know, most people, and, and by the way, I don't mean that this is what everybody has to do. It's not like, oh, since your friends are getting married and have kids, you need to run off and do the same thing. But sometimes you got to realize that uh, things change around you and sometimes it's going to affect what you want. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, she really, and I said, think about it. I said, you know, I'm not telling you you have to do what they want, uh, but just because she was kind of like mad. I guess she had like a big, um, a lot of friends and acquaintances, a large crowd. And you know how little by little attrition happens? And then you realize <laughs> nobody's ready to go out Saturday night and party. You know? So sometimes you initiate the change. Other times things around you happen. And I think the problem starts when people fail to realize that as far as their happiness. And, um, be, you know, we talked about it, taking an honest assessment. Uh, and I'm going to say also that you see a lot of people, you know, they have that hot tub time moment where they had this time in their lives when they were really happy. Mm-hmm. And they want to recapture the happiness. And I've seen this sometimes, as a matter of fact, with people who go through a divorce. You know, maybe they were married 10 or 15 years, as an example. And when they get divorced, they, they want to become the person they were 15 years before they got married. You know, they want to recapture... The feelings, because back then, they equated to I was happy, I didn't have any problems, I wasn't worried, I was going out and having a good time. And sometimes we fail to realize that as human beings, we evolve. And we, you know, we were talking about this the last time, Carol. Change is going to happen at different degrees. And sometimes it's inevitable. You dig in your heels and all you're going to end up is tired and frustrated. But it's going to happen no matter what. Sometimes you may not like it, but you always have to think of what do I have to do to turn this to my advantage and not fight it? Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of times human beings, because it's, how can I tell you? It's some people it's um, in their minds. It's tiring trying to figure out what's my purpose. Like in other words, I want to find out my purpose and that's it. I'm done for the rest of my life. I know what this is. And I hate to say it. We're too fluid as human beings to box us in and let's say average lifespan is what 80 years more or less let's let's give it you there's no way that you're going to be that same person all all around at a core you are that you were in your teens and your 20s and your 30s and your 40s um 
you, if, you know, if you haven't learned from your experiences, people around you change, your environment changes, uh, and again, your purpose or what you want your purpose to be changes. And some people, they don't recognize it or want to make it. You know, in other words, they have this little, they lose their touch with reality kind of moment where, and, and I think sometimes it, it leads to their unhappiness. It leads to their unhappiness because they don't, they just don't, they, they don't want to change or they don't want to recognize the change in themselves. Yeah. But with this magic pill, like, I mean, like everybody wants to be happy um, and everyone wants to feel like they matter. But in regards to telling like that magic pill, you know, we talked about it a little bit on our, our okay. conversation in regards to that, you know, say if someone's having some challenging times in their lives or they're going through some relationship problems, identity issues and all the other stuff. So they want a pill that fixed it right away. Oh, I mean, like a hypnosis or, you know what I mean? Or if they can't get it right away, then they turn into like kind of drugs, you know what I mean? To kind right, of right, right. for every ill, you know what I mean? So in that aspect, it's almost like, Sometimes there's not that pill for people to no. wake up and like uh, resolve issues that they've been habits that they've been um, doing for the last 30 years. It takes time and, and practice. You know well, what I mean? How yeah. can I say it? Um, you know that saying, everywhere you go, there you are. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know what? Some people, a lot, nine times out of 10, those people that want the magic pill have something painful that they have to deal with. That that's why they want the magic pill okay because their behavior whether it's addiction or the way they act or what they've done is only a symptom not the cause of it okay so for them finding that magic pill is like a shortcut you know when you have these roads that bypass the big city yeah <laughs> okay some people this is what they want they want to and um they they just don't want to delve into it. They just want like, um, they just, it's like, I, I just don't want to feel this. I want something to distract me, like make me not remember that or feel that or, and it's like, it, it's almost like if let's say you have a disease or an illness and the doctor tells you, hey, I can give you this pill and it'll treat it, but you're gonna to have to take this pill for the rest of your life. Or we have this treatment that will cure you. Okay. But, it's a little bit painful, but at the end of this, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. What would your choice be? Well, it's the same thing. You know, some people, they rather deal with, they'd rather persist in a lifetime of distraction behavior or addiction in some cases, which is really bad because it's, I don't want to go down that road. And by the way, a lot of people instantly think, oh, is it therapy? Nah, not necessarily. It could be if that's what you need. But sometimes all it needs to really do is start with what, you know, like introspection. Like, if, And that's, by the way, is very hard because we're either too easy or too hard on ourselves. You know, we want the, um, you know, we're, we're either too hard on ourselves and want to take make it all our fault or... We, you know, what a lot of people do, which is they make it the other per everybody, the world, everybody but me. You know, it's everybody's fault except me. Society, my friends, my parents, uh, my teacher. You know, so you have to be honest when you're on that route to that magic pill. If that's what you really want, that magic pill. Uh, and like I said, it depends. 
some people, you know, they have a crisis, health, mental, just family crisis that makes them. This is the moment where, you know, what we call that coming to Jesus moment where I, I bet I, I, I can't put this off. You know, I've been running from it and either I'm in, I have a problem now. And, you know, we, we mentioned something about it last time, Carol, about um, what they call, uh, it's almost like where what goes on inside your head and your spirit manifests in your body, body symptoms, you know, where mm. some people are in denial so much that their body starts, you get diseases, aches and pains, things that the doctors can't really explain other times it's i i've seen in cases where people develop even serious illnesses like cancer and other health really serious health because of this deep pain inside of them or something that happened to them that they just piled on and by the way i'm not talking here sometimes that people think well i didn't remember some of them really do remember but they just bury it they just pile and there's no resolution and I want to say also some people uh, also confuse this thing and I'm sure you've heard of it where let's say you're trying to deal with trauma from your life especially when you were a kid when they say well you got to forgive this person and they kind of have a problem with it mm-hmm. and and I don't you know what a lot of people don't realize that that, that doesn't mean resolving it for yourself doesn't mean you're going to be like oh I forgive you because you cannot force that and you might never get there by the way but but the thing you have to think of is if i continue with this i'm allowing either this person or this event or events to keep on victimizing me mm-hmm. i will always be in its shadow okay so a lot of people get caught up like oh am i gonna have to like pretend no nobody's saying that if it if you want to sure if you're there fine you can move ahead some people don't get there sometimes years later as a matter of fact, later on when they let go of it and they go, that SOB or that bitch or whatever, uh, she, you know, he or whatever, or they, and you're really mad. And maybe years later, you finally get to this thing where you're like, okay, well, it happened, you know? And you, the thing is not to live in its shadow. And a lot of people will do that. They'll replay it in their mind. And then that's when they get into that magic pill, what we were talking about, where they don't want to go, even if it's on a personal level, like you inside your head, really looking at what happened. If you were a kid, now you're an adult, recognizing, you know what, back then, maybe I was a child, I couldn't do anything about it, but now I'm an adult. And I see it for what it is, if it was bad, if it was good. Um... I've had instances where people have been really mad when, let's say, they were doing things as a teenager or very young, like an adolescent, and they have this thing where they think, "Oh, my parents, they abandoned me," or they. And and when they grow up and we start talking about it, I said, "Do you realize how much you contributed to it? Like maybe they didn't handle it the best way, but now as an adult, if you, you know, and we talk about it, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I, I maybe I, I was doing stuff." that contributed to it you know and, it, and by this i don't mean you're ever going to go back and redo it but it's like okay let's look at it the way you should 
you yes, know. I, yeah, I definitely believe, like, because, you know, when we are, you know, I've had a lot of childhood traumas as well. Mm -hmm. But I believe at that at the time when we're children, maybe we don't have the wherewithal to of know course. how to deal with that situation. But in, in adulthood, we damn sure have the responsibility. We are responsible now that we have that knowledge and uh, to kind of improve ourselves. You know what I mean? If we don't want to be victimized sure. of the past, we need to kind of like kind of get to the core and not deal with the surface issues. Because like, who wants to have a life of suffering? You know what I mean? You look back in the past, that stuff happened. You cannot change it. You can, you can want to go into that, like that, uh, you know, sauna or, hot tub machine to go back in the past but the thing is you can't the only thing is you do is you can connect back to that that inner child or that experience and and learn how to kind of heal from that and that's the thing that's that fair. a lot of people have a problem with because they still feel helpless like you said this, you know when you're a kid like what are you gonna do move yeah. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> or you know or whatever they still they kind of like almost on an emotional level they're reacting as that child yeah. so they feel helpless they feel um betrayed whatever the situation is and it's almost like um looking at it saying i'm not that child anymore even though that child was me i'm not that child anymore and you know but some and, and i've spoken to a lot of people some to the hypnotherapy that they want to shadow box and replay whatever happened to them, whether it was a one-time thing or years, they want to like make a different outcome. And it's like, last time I checked, time travel is not possible. Stop wasting your time wanting to go back and change it or have these discussions sometimes with these people. It's not going to happen. It's well, not. There's there's different parallels of thinking because it's like go back in time in that particular sense. But at the same time, we, you know, beyond the scope, you know, things happen uh you know, the past, present, future all happened in this instance, but it's right. like, you know, but we're talking about this realm of this person in the past. However, I want you to kind of touch on what we talked about before. Is that um, that example that you're giving me about this, uh, this, I believe this lady that you were talking to, or, or is it male or female? I believe it was a, a female who was reacting like she was still seven years old to certain emotional situations. Right. Believe it or not, this happens quite a lot. People don't realize that you'll have people that, let's say, you know, because some people think, oh, you, you know, you, you're you acting like a, you can have somebody that's really competent as an example in work, in their job. They're, they're super competent. But when it comes to relationships, um, the one that's running the show is the seven or eight year old that was traumatized, you know, or makes them have decisions or how they handle it, uh, that they're hurt and they're impulsive. And uh, just think of a seven or eight year old, let's say this is an example that is uh, hurt, uh, doesn't understand things, reacts, uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't think of consequences. Uh, so they could be, it's not like it runs your life. It could be certain aspects of your life that all of a sudden it's like, yeah, and I'm sure maybe you've met them, Carol, mm -hmm. people, let's say in their jobs that are super confident, but when it comes to their personal life, it's a real mess. And yeah. you're like, how did that happen? You know, how did, the, you know, how did you, I, you know, you seem to be so smooth and you're on top of it, but your personal life is a wreck. Okay. 
and it's because the one that's running the show because and I'm talking emotional here and it has a lot to do with emotional as the child that they were they they, they get stuck emotionally at that age where the biggest trauma happened okay and I want to say a lot of times these things happen to people I think trauma happens when you're a child and there's no adult that steps in especially hopefully it's a parent or a guardian or a caretaker and says it's okay I'll take care of it you're gonna be okay you know what I'm saying reassures because your family and your um, your parents especially or the people are what gives you your sense of security in this world for the rest of your life okay mm -hmm. if you don't have that sense of security okay that really hurts you because you start looking at the world um, you know we were talking about the hostile universe especially if the people or person that was supposed to be your guardian and take care of you betrays you to you as a child you understand what I'm saying because kids can weather just about anything and I and I've seen this firsthand various times if the parents or parent are there and saying I'm here for you I will take care of you okay kids and I'm gonna make it like a dress kids can live in a car <laughs> okay really drastic horrible circumstances but if they have a parent that says I love you I'm gonna give you as much stability as I can we'll get through this and very importantly doesn't make the child the adult in the relationship in other words um, guards that child's childhood as much as possible because I've seen some parents especially in difficult circumstances where all of a sudden they want to make the kid grow up and lay stuff on them that they're not ready for you know the parents role is which is I've seen it when you have that parent step in and take the brunt of it as they should because they're the adult and protect that child let me tell you something kids can bounce back from a lot of things it's when that falls out from under them when a child or they live in an environment where what I call this they become hyper vigilant they don't know what an everyday brings you know either the people that they're with or something that's like they never you know they, they they never know when the next shoe is gonna drop so these kids they become like hyper vigilant that's that sense of stability is gone okay and sometimes in some cases worst case scenario we're into talking here survival okay all those things have to do with what we were talking about is this person gonna get stuck in that age that they felt betrayed and they're just there and then, then that seven or eight years old is running the show in, in their emotion in their emotional side and of course this leads to you know when you see people um, drugs uh, overeating uh, drinking um, sometimes even the type of relationships they get engaged in because they're like uh, they want to repeat it they want to fix it sometimes a person they would like to fix it is not around or dead so they try to reenact the relationship even though let's say it might have been a parent thing it could be with a partner because they want to fix it I, I, I want another go around on this but the one that's really running the show is that kid that you know for lack of a better word was hung out to dry and uh, and again you know I, I hear some people say we you have a group of siblings and they go through something traumatic and some of them do great or okay you know and then there's one or two or one that's just burns and crashes and everybody's like well why that one and 
not the others because and they were all in the same household. You know what? Everybody's different. You've got introverts, you've got extroverts. You have, and I'm sure you've met them, Carol, you've got people who you say things to and they're like water off a duck's back. They don't care. Yeah, sure, you know. Uh. And then there's people that take things, they internalize it a lot. You know, so yeah, that, that sometimes doesn't apply where it's not that one who was weaker than let's say a sibling group. It's just that everybody takes in or is affected more profoundly. Um, I've seen where even the baby, let's say in a group of siblings, does better because believe it or not, the older siblings fill in and become the parent kind of. Even if they're all kids, they all protect the sibling as best they can. So sometimes the sibling, the youngest one, is the one that does the best because they've got like a support group, even if it's just other children. So yeah, it depends on a lot of factors. But yes, that has a lot to do with what are the adults that we eventually become. Yeah, And I think it's really important to you because when I, you know, I'm meeting with people and, you know, when I have these uh, um, psychic abilities, I can pinpoint like spirit shows mm-hmm. or I get the message of like this individual has, you know, had this traumatic event, you know what I mean? And I have to interpret exactly what they're showing me to that individual. But as we kind of kind of go on the, through the discussion, I can kind of really see and, and it's uncovered like why they are experiencing certain things in adulthood. It's like a repeated, repeated right. event. And it's almost like they, they've kind of, um, they've swept it so deep or pushed it so down deep in the subconscious that they don't even know that is, uh, exactly. again, the main director of their life, that seven-year-old, the five-year-old, the three-year-old that is, you know what I mean, constantly running the show. And I think that's so important for people who are listening and watching to really kind of dive deep into that. Like who's running the show uh, in your life right now? Is that child or is it really you and if it's a child then there's some work to be done um but before we kind of get into that i really want um because when we talked about body syndrome i thought that was a very like interesting concept because i haven't heard it before so i want you to see if you can elaborate more of what that body syndrome is and then given kind of give an example so people can kind of understand what that is about right what we were talking about was um that you notice where people uh, sometimes they'll develop certain body aches and, you know, for example, there's one where let's say you get legs in your pain, a pain in your legs or <laughs> leg or knee or ankle, and you really can't account for it. You really, really can't account for it. Okay. And the idea here is that sometimes, um, and, and by the way, this is that, you know, Either you've never had the pain, you've never had an injury there that would explain it. Some people even go to the doctor and the doctor's like, "Eh, you know, Tylenol here, you know, there's no reason for you to be having this pain. Uh, And sometimes it's because there is, in this case, let's say we're going with the leg thing of going forward. Because for us on the physical level, going forward, we use our legs. Okay. In the physical level. Mm -hmm. So we'll get all these pains and people, and sometimes it's a fear by the way, people don't realize how powerful fear is. Mm-hmm. And everybody equates fears like the what you feel when you go to the movies. Fear can be very insidious the way it works out, especially when you don't acknowledge it. So sometimes that, let's say the, like in the, the pain of the legs is a fear of moving forward. Let's say you're starting a new project 
or they say you've had a company, but now you're thinking of expanding. Isn't it? This is an example. Uh, or anything. It could be anything. You're thinking of, hey, I think I'm going to move to um, another house. Everybody has a different threshold, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden you start getting these pains, and it's like a fear of moving forward. And sometimes you'll have this in your uh, pain in your legs. Another one for like pain in the shoulders and the arms is when you think that you're reaching for something that's beyond you. You know, when people like, oh, you know how people sometimes, well, you know, like the, the higher you go, the bigger the fall or some, you know, some of that, those sayings. It's like, okay, that's a good excuse for not allowing yourself to reach where we have this mental block in our mind that this is as much as I should have. This is what I'm comfortable with. You know, what if I get that and then I lose it? Or what if, uh, you know, you know, your your subconscious mind extrapolates it. And sometimes that, let's say, let's go with the, the arm pain. It's like you're reaching out for something that in your subconscious mind is like too far for you. You're going after something that maybe you're not capable of. Maybe you're not competent enough. What if you screw that up? Why don't you stay where you're at? It could be for some people going to a new job or applying, let's say, for another department. Or, God, it could be any number of things. Trying something new. It doesn't even have to be job-related. It could be um, joining a club, you know. Something new that reaching out that because let's face it most people want to better themselves in some way shape or form something it it could be minimal where your subconscious mind sees you in this this is you and this is the parameters of where you exist this is your identity yeah and for i used to have uh when i used to have a lot of my stop smoking clients one of the things i would have to work on them with is their identity was linked to smoking. They saw themselves as smokers. So when you tell somebody, I'm going to take your identity away from you, as in the smoking, guess what? The, your brain, your, your subconscious is very, very resistant to it. If this is the identity that you hold about yourself deep down, you will fight it tooth and nail. Because to you, you're losing a part of yourself. Not, let's face it, for example, the smoking thing, it's not you. It's a thing. It's a little nicotine, whatever, paper wrapped in tobacco, whatever. It's not you. But in your mind, you see it. And it also also depends. For example, I want to say the majority of the smokers that I treated started teens, adolescents, the majority of them. They did it either to be cool. Some of them were angry, mad, and this was their, you know, I'm so, don't mess with me, you know, whatever. And it worked. It, it, this is, they see themselves in their mind as a smoker with a cigarette in their hand. This is just an example. Same thing when we're talking about um, going forward or doing something new, for example. This is, you might have this self-image in your head that wow that's new that's different well you know what are you doing you know let's say you want to go again and and i've told this story before after my first divorce i you know i decided to get i had a friend of mine at my job who she would do those um biking marathons Mm -hmm. okay 
I've never biked in my life. I mean, like, yeah, bicycle, like regular stuff, but not 5Ks or anything. And I remember she was doing, and we, it was really funny because she used one of those Sears three speeds. <laughs> you know, when you go to these biking events that you see these guys with these super slick, ultra, you know, light with the, well, she had like the Sears three, and we used to call it, as a matter of fact, Pee Wee's bike because she had it decked out with fuzzy balls. And she goes, look, I'm going to do a 5K. You know, most of these events are for charity. Uh, she goes, it's, 5K is three miles. Why don't you come with me? Just bring your bike, your, you know, your 10 speed, whatever, and just ride with me. We, I'm not doing it uh, for speed. I'm not like these guys that, hey, I'll fast cut. We're just going to ride it. And I was like, and I was like, oh, you know, I was like, I don't know if I can do that. Because I was intimidated. I was intimidated. Like, I'm, you know, to me, when you, whenever you saw these bikers, they were like, super slim with the helmets and i was like i want to show up there with my 10 speed from you know walmart whatever you know like oh, all right she convinced me she she convinced me and i had a blast it was great and i realized nobody was looking at me nobody cared most of those people men and women who were very much into it were really nice you know and then it got to the point where I, you know, she kind of held my hand and then they got to the point where I wanted to do it, but she couldn't come. And that was my first big going by myself. <laughs> it was like, because it's different when you've got a friend there holding your hand. And, um, I said, okay, I'm going to, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. And I started practicing. Also, by the way, I would bicycle a little bit more and a little bit more. I make a long story short. I participated. I ended up doing a 150 mile two day bike ride. Okay, that was like 75 miles one day away, and then we slept in a campground, and we came back. This was for multiple sclerosis. As a matter of fact, they still have it. They have it in different parts of the country. And I never did it for speed. I never was into one of these ultra-slim bike, uh, you know, but nobody cares. <laughs> you realize, after a while, everybody's there for their own whatever. But I, my, my point that is that I was fighting this at the beginning tooth and nail. I was, what? Oh my God. And they're going to look at me and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand out. Like you think everybody's going to turn around and look at you when you walk in, you know, like, what is she doing here? Nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. no. And I had a blast and it was great. And you know what? If I would have fallen off my back, nobody would have cared anyway. Let's see. Just let's say worst case scenario. What? You go, you know, you run over a dead animal. You, you fall on the thing. Nobody would have paid it. As a matter of fact, everybody was pretty nice. And like I said, most of the participants, whatever they were, were very, very nice and helpful towards one another. And you didn't need to know them. And my point being that a lot of times we get caught up uh, or we let our subconscious mind talk us out of it. And when it's, we're really resistant is when you see those body symptoms, these aches and pains in your body, where it's your subconscious mind fighting you doing it. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Own the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40... 
heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz in the 5, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA 5G user experience report July 2021. And like all things that we spoke about, some of the, a lot of times what goes on up here, you will see it reflected in your body um, in different ways. And like I said, this is usually after you clear it with your doctor, you know, like, hey, uh, the doctor tells you, I don't see why you got that pain or in your hip or your leg or your knee. What? I don't know what to tell you. Give you some pain reliever and off you go. So, and I think it's so, it's so important for people to realize how powerful the subconscious mind is, the, yes. the, the body mind, because it's almost like, you know, I was uh, <laughs> you know, sharing with some of my friends that um, when I kind of meet since people, sometimes I tap into their energy and I, you know, sometimes I, you know, um, habituate and do the same thing they're doing. So I was like, you know, one of my clients, uh, uh, you know, I found myself like meditating like three hours a day. And then after this meditation, this first one I like did last Monday was for three hours. I, I, I got out of my meditation and I was like swearing at my subconscious. I'm like, you fucking son of a bitch. Like, oh my, I, it was just that realization that, you know, being held prisoner, right. being held captive to these certain, um, you know what I mean? Ideologies that you didn't even know you were held captive to. And then once you kind of, kind of realize this, like, oh my God, you know what I mean? That's, that's not ever going to happen again. I'm going to kill your subconscious. And you know, you're just so, so mad. But then also at the same time, it's almost like this other concept that, that, that came up which is so powerful is that the concept of um, constructive discontent. So when your mind yes. knows that like, okay, this girl means business. We're not reverting back to the old self anymore. She's found you out subconscious. So you're now finally able to transcend that old way of being because you know your body, your mind knows that like you really mean business and you're gonna actually take the steps going forward. But you mentioned something very important when we're talking about the body syndrome, you're talking about um, identity you know, and how identity, people's identities get threatened if something's being taken away from them. And you, you talked about smoking, but there's so many different things oh, yeah. that people are threatened by. So can you provide more examples well, of say, the people that you work with? And, identity and is what you see your, you know, you know we, we have a self-image in our mind of what we think we look like. Some people are very grounded in reality then others are not, but whatever. Whenever you tell somebody I want to take this uh, identity away from you, they have a hard time, whatever it is, whatever that behavior is, okay? That's why you even have people that, uh, let's say the workaholic, or I, I'm sure you've even heard, you know those people that go to the gym 24-7? Mm-hmm. Because they, they this is who they see them, or in some really extreme cases, and even though really it's, it's a mental illness, you know, the people that are anorexic, that will look and they still see themselves as being overweight even though that that's definitely a mental that's an extreme case in other words but it's almost this image that you have in your head of what you think you are and your reality and sometimes what's bad is when you have this very poor self-image okay yeah and whenever you in other words you, you you have this internal dialogue with yourself where you put yourself down continuously all right it's like mm-hmm. whose side are you on <laughs> why, why would you do that <laughs> hello, hello you know when and, and i tell yeah. them you know this inner 
inner chatter that we have with yourselves, which is like, man, you don't even, there's nobody, you won't even talk to a stranger like this. Why do you talk to yourself like this? And a lot of times people, again, and we come back to the magic pill, by the way, this is something that I think, the only times I think we're let off the hook is when we grow old and the Puerto, we don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> but before that, we get so bombarded continuously with uh, stuff from society, uh, commercials, that whatever progress you make in your head, you know how they say you need to do something X amount of times so it becomes a habit. And then, you know, the brain has something called plasticity, which is where you start doing things like, you know, let's say driving. You know, when you started, you had to like think like, oh, you know, and now you could just get in the car. You know, you've got grooves in your brain where this action is automatic for you. Well, it takes a while for these things to develop. All right. But as far as certain behavior, we basically have to like everyone, in other words, still work on it. There's not one time that you can say, oh, I'm totally off the hook. That's why you have people that diet, lose weight, and sometimes stay off, maintain it for years. And then all of a sudden they slide back and you're like, how did that happen? Because they don't realize how much negative stuff we're fed or that they fall back into that distraction or comfort of, let's say eating. I'm going to use the eating, you know, again, this has to do with image. If, okay. And I'm going to use the smoking because I, I, I worked a lot with that. Okay. I, I would have people that would say, you know what? I've tried everything, you know, as far as to stop smoking, I've used the, the, the little gums, the pills, the patches the whatever. I said, you know why? Because you keep seeing yourself as a smoker who just happens not to be smoking. You see yourself as an ex smoker. And they were like, yeah. So you always really wanted to smoke. It's just that you were putting on or using all these things not to have the craving. But what we're going to do is we're going to separate. You're not going to see yourself as a smoker or an ex-smoker. You just happen to be a person who doesn't smoke. Mm-hmm. Like anybody else that doesn't smoke. Okay, not an ex-whatever. So that same thing happens. Let's say, let's go with the weight thing. Yeah. If let's say you, at any point you had a problem with your weight and some people lose the weight, they, you know, they did something, whatever the regiment was, uh, dieting, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, surgery, whatever. And sometimes, because in their mind, they are still that person. They just happen not. In other words, they are pushing that boulder up the hill every day. Okay. Because they're still that person that they were. So that person that they were, let's say at a certain weight, that makes a conscious decision about, I'm not going to eat this, I'm not going to eat that. They were pushing. They, they, it's almost like you have to push the boulder up every, the hill every day. Guess what? One day arrives and you're really tired of pushing that boulder up the hill. You don't want to do it. You know, and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to use another example. And I tell everybody sometimes, yeah. And I, and I think a lot of people identify with this. When I was in my teens and 20s, and even in my 30s, I had had three kids. I maintained my weight. I could, I didn't overeat, but I could, I didn't think about carbs or proteins or sugar. Or, I just ate, you know. I was too busy. You know, not that I, but what I'm saying is I wasn't in the gym 24-7. I wasn't doing none of these aerobic cardio, you know, uh, what's this bicycle now? The, this, God, Peloton, you know, they didn't have Peloton back then. But in other words, I was living my life and I was eating reasonably that, but I wasn't overthinking it. 
and I was fine. Okay. And I think that's, that's that because I didn't, that, that was my identity. Do you see what I'm saying? I didn't overthink it because that was just who I was. I'd always been, you know, I'd always, I didn't have a problem with my weight, but it wasn't like, because there's some people that are really thin, but you see, they're always like, oh, let me eat my, my salad and I cannot eat that. I never had that, luckily, lucky for me, but that was my identity is what I'm trying to get to. The flip side of it is, if you are the person, let's say that you grew up and you've always had a problem with your weight, okay, and you start going on the strict diet or whatever it is that you're doing, in your mind, your identity is still that person that had a problem with their weight, that always has to be picking and choosing. The, the trick here is working with your subconscious mind to say, that's not me, and then keep on working with it because it's kind of insidious. It's always going to want to creep up, okay? So all of a sudden, it's not like, uh, and again, I'm going to use the weight thing as just as an example. It could be applied to anything. It's not like I am an overweight person that every day has to make conscious decisions about what I'm going to eat or do or play. No, all of a sudden you're not that person. You're just a normal, regular, uh, appropriately weight person. Okay. That just, and, and, and I want to say, and people are going to think this is weird. There's something weird about what you see in your head and what translates into your body. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Where you start in your mind, you're not the overweight person. You're just, by the way, an appropriate weight person. And all of a sudden, your body starts to mold itself to being what you see in your head, really see in your head, okay? However, if you ever see yourself as the overweight person, you're, you're still, your body is almost like taking, um, seeing really what's in there. And that's why every day people have to do the, uh, oh my God, and, uh, and, and they look at themselves and it's like, oh, you know, and then I gotta, it's like, it's, it, believe it or not, it's up here. And then that's something you have to work on every day. Again, and I'm sure you've heard it, Carol, you know, people that for them dieting is like an equivalent of pain. It's like, you got to take that out of your lexicon because the people that diet. Oh, and by the way, when I say an appropriately uh, weight person, I don't mean the super slick model type, you know, <laughs> you know, if you want something like that or if you want to be muscular, then you got to, let's say, work out. I'm talking about where you're not overweight, you're not underweight, you feel healthy and your body's okay and your body complies with what you see yourself in and you just eat normally and maybe some days you'll eat pasta no you know it doesn't in other words you don't overthink it and then of course it all does tails back like are you what why why are you overeating let's say for example okay so it's almost like a a, a double pronged approach I'm going to start seeing myself divorce my identity from that. Plus, okay, I'm overeating because it calms my anxiety. When I'm eating, I, I'm distracted. I don't think of... By the way, the distraction doesn't have to be something that happened 30 years ago. It could just be stuff that you're worried about now. That you're telescoping on. But when you're eating those potato chips, guess what, man? I'm not thinking about that. <laughs> whatever, 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 whatever. Okay, and you telescope because the, the problem is... That when you're thinking of whatever, because everybody's got stuff going on in their lives, you telescope, you know, you go, whoosh, and it's like, oh, crap. And maybe the problem's this big, but when you telescope on it, it goes this big. 
And then you're like, oh my God, hold on, where are the potato chips? You know, I can't handle this crap. But, and, and I want to say by the same token, and I, you know, you know that saying, when the going gets tough, the tough goes shopping. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. You know, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong where when you've had a stressful day or something to, to take like a, like back up and take a time out. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to go to the movies. I want to do something that's not about this problem. But I'm going to tell you why. Because it helps you look at it realistically. The problem is when you want to do it all the time, 24-7, and don't address it, and then you engage in behavior, which is destructive, as in overeating. But if you say, you know what? Oh, I need to take a cup. I'm going to go shopping. You know, whatever. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to hang out with my friends and have some coffee and people watch. I'm going to go to the movies, you know, and go see something really like Star Wars or something like, why? You know, something that you don't think about it. Because what happens is, is when you reset your brain, the problem's not going to go away, but you kind of tend to see it a little bit more realistically, as in how bad is it. Plus, it freshens your brain up as to possible solutions, okay? And also, which I say, which is, what can I do today? People tend to live their lives too far in advance instead of realizing the only thing you can control is today. Oh, and by the way, very important as far as the control anxiety thing, you cannot control other people. Yeah. Big problem for most people. You know, you cannot control. As a matter of fact, about the only people you control is your children when they're small. When they get to a certain age, then they're going to be on your control as well. You know, but otherwise, and people spend their lives and innumerable hours trying to control everything, everybody. And it's like, well, the only thing I can control, number one, is myself. And what am I going to do today? As in these 24 hours. Okay. And then because then when we start getting into the control we start getting into the worry we worry about a lot of things that never come to pass what does worry do for us in our mind it prepares us for the what if moment you know how many things never come to pass if there was a way for you to do like a spreadsheet of all the stuff that we worry about and you go man i can't believe i spent all that time worrying about that Shit, what a waste of time yeah and by the way the worry it's not going to prepare you or the worry is not going to stop something from happening. But I would say the majority of things that we really worry about either don't happen or if they happen, they're like, wow, I thought this was going to be worse. Or that's, this is it. No. Wow. You know, in other words, worry. Now worry. And, and that's the thing. Some people, um, I tell, you know, when people, when I tell people, you know, uh, and, and I talked about this with clients when they were coming for anxiety and stuff like that. That they were like, well, what do I do? I said, okay, well, you know what? Take your day day by day. I know this sounds really like basic, but sometimes basic works. Take your life day by day. But for example, let's say Friday you've got an interview, whatever. But today is Tuesday. Okay. What you do is, what do I need to do? Oh, is that suit that I'm going to wear? Is it clean? Yeah, there. Find it. You know, in other words, prepare, but don't worry about it and hang it up. Don't stress yourself out then Friday running around. Oh, crap. I can't, or that suit is like, oh, or that, you know, just, okay, what can I do today? Oh, find it. There it is. Okay, just hang it up. Does it need to be pressed, cleaned? Okay, just put and put it there and leave it, you know, and that, but that's what you can do today. But some people, they want to like, or they get, you know, or like, okay, well, today, what can I do? Okay, I pulled out the suit. You know, I realize I might need to get a new shirt for it. I'll take care of that tomorrow. I'm going to run errands. I'm going to put a note here. Or, you know, or I'm going to get whatever. People don't know how to pace themselves and it becomes like this downward slide where they telescope problems, but a lot of them we make 
We either make them worse or we create them by either trying to do too much control. And then of course that results in behavior depending on what we've chosen that works against us. And um, it, it, it's, that's part of the magic pill answer of what you asked. There is no magic pill. <laughs> there is no magic pill. No, not, unless, not unless you decide to take that uh, magic pill from the Matrix to really... Yeah, see. I know. But, but most people... What was, the, what was the one that would put you back in the Matrix? The blue pill? <laughs> you know, the blue pill was the one that would put you back in. Like, oh, yeah. I'm really hooked up to this machine. But people should take is the the pill that would awaken themselves. Right, there was one that would wake you up, and then. But do you know how many people would take the one like that? Just put me back. I don't want to think about that. No, no, no. (laughs) What's the pill? What was the one that character that says? The red pill. I forgot. I lucky. Let me. Let me. Yeah. No. I think at the end of the day, like people just need to um, not be delusion in regards to the work that needs to be put in. No. There is, there is no moment where you can say, that's it, I'm done. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to reset my thing. No, you never, unless you're pushing up Daisy somewhere, okay, you never are off the hook because as human beings, we are too fluid. Uh, we're too impressionable. And there's always the power. I mean, let's, let's get on the parent. There's always the In South Dakota, we're looking forward to exploring new roads and wide open spaces. When you're ready to travel, Go great places. Learn more at TravelSouthDakota.com. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Powers that be that want to influence you somehow in way, shape, or form for to, to, to affect your behavior, as in what you spend, what you look at. So unless you live like a hermit on the mountain where nobody cares what you're doing, you're always going to be under the influence and you're always going to have to be fighting it and protecting what's going on in your head. There's something that was coming up when you were talking. It was about like to discuss um, the parallels or the connection between identity and people commit to themselves. I don't know if that just came Identity up. and the what? Identity and um, the reason why people commit suicide. The loss yes. of identity and yes. Okay, suicidal ideation has, there's a lot of different things having to do with suicidal ideation. Sometimes it's a mental illness. I mean, sometimes it's chemical imbalance. I mean, plain and simple. It's, that's what it is. You know, they, there's a, a, a disease of the brain where if that person is not getting treatment as in therapy and medication, unfortunately, they're the way they see the world is not what you see it. You could look at that person, you know, and I'm sure you've heard of it, uh, Carol, where you've had people that you've heard that have committed suicide and nobody can get figure it out. Like their lives were okay. Like why would they do that? They didn't have a perfect life, but overall their life was okay. But that's, you know, sometimes if you have things going on in your brain, the way you see things is not, really sometimes what's there. I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of people that's 
they want to they commit suicide because they're perpetually afraid or they're in pain you know over something that happened um i think a lot of it sometimes is i want to say that hopelessness is also one of the main things that i think sometimes drives people towards suicide this feeling of hopeless like no light at the end of the tunnel this is not going to get better and i don't want to you know and sometimes this is formed if because if let's say if you have most of your life or parts of your life which were good and hopeful and good and you go through a rough patch you know that life can be good so in other words you're like hey i'm going to find a way out of this because i know there's something better than this but if you circumstances in your life your life has been like to put it bluntly a shit and you don't think it's going to get any better and you're hopeless guess what it's like i don't want to be in this pain anymore i don't want to do this anymore i don't have anything good to compare this to as far as i'm concerned life sucks okay and some people um they choose this versus saying uh this is not going to be my story all right uh and i'm sure you've heard it there's a lot of people that make it do very well in life but when you look at their background they come from really 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 difficult backgrounds okay and they overcome them and there's something that in their brains they say that's not going to be my story it's not but not everybody's the same that's the point and not everybody is the same and i want to say hopelessness isolation um and in in here we could we could segue if you want to a little bit into the paranormal okay mm-hmm. where uh i've come across people who have had um for lack of a better word i'm thinking spiritual turbulence malevolence dark which drives that behavior it pushes them into isolation it pushes them into hopelessness uh a little bit of paranoia um and sometimes there's a behavior problem but there's a darkness there which is the one that whispers in the ear nobody's there to help you nobody loves you what are you doing that for uh if you stay home you know don't go out to the park don't you know people are looking at you you know or you know or they're talking about you or they're going to betray you you know that that and sometimes i have found that in some cases there is some type a darker spiritual interference that magnifies that you know that last whisper in the ear the little push that you do that you sometimes sometimes when people even do really horrible things um it's you know you have isolation hopelessness and then they do something horrific and everybody's like what and it's because there's something there that use those circumstances to make that person feel worthless or angry There's a lot of people that do horrific things they're really really angry you know and what's usually the dialogue that they've got going on in their head i got hurt i'm angry i'm going to hurt others you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. and you got to have that conversation going on a lot like you know like a hamster wheel in your head for you to actually do that I don't want to tell you something even psychopaths people don't realize because when you say the word psychopath everybody thinks of like Dexter. Eh, eh. You can be a psychopath 
And unless you have a violent streak, you're not going to kill people. However, you're going to want to control things. Mm. Okay. There's a lot of psychopaths running around. <laughs> I'm sure there's people that go, I, yeah, I have a boss. Yeah, believe it or not. When yeah. you see people going out of their way to be controlling and hurting and just for the sake of control, those that's a, that could be a psychopath. That psychopaths don't necessarily mean they're going around killing people. They could be... Um, I'm going to give you an example that uh, that kill, even though he was a serial killer, that BTK killer, the one that he was um, by torture kill, that in his regular life he was a code enforcement officer. Okay, yeah. now can you let's take the violent streak out of it. Let's say he wasn't killing people, but the people in his neighborhood would be saying that he would go out of his way to find people and give them like fines and complaints because he was code compliance. Holy crap! That was the that was a psychopath part of him also doing that. They don't care that they're harassing or they're hurting people. They want to be able to have that control that I'm going to do this and I'm going to and and I have power, you know. Uh so again, it's it's human beings, but people like that usually don't have to worry about, you know, they <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of their inner dialogue is about what they want. As a matter of fact, most of the times they feel superior to others around them. As a matter of fact, that's why they they don't think twice about doing bad things to them or hurting them. Or uh, it's, you know, if you're one of a serial killer type or just a killer of killing people, well, you have no empathy. But uh, yeah, the you know, and, and in some cases you will have because you know how some people will say, well, you know, these people that do these horrific things are they under the influence of a darker being? or being or whatever in some cases they are okay in some cases they are i've seen where and i'm sure you've heard of it some of these uh killers or serial killers when you look at their backgrounds they have problems in their upbringing they have um, all, you know parents you know molestation or child abuse or even neighbor it's like really horrible and then you think okay sometimes the darker spiritual influence starts at that point because it's like a ripple effect you know that gift that keeps on giving yeah by hurting that child okay yeah. let's say you have a neighbor this is an example let's say you have a neighbor that's molesting some kid all right and the one that has that spiritual attachment that dark attachment is that neighbor but it's doing it because it's like a ripple effect they know that their actions will corrupt this child who in turn will become an adult who god knows what they will do at the very least they're going to be very unhappy and not really reach their full potential or at best as far as they're concerned they're going to turn around and do the same thing and be a horrible human being so it's like um people have to think of it sometimes as in yes and and, and i have seen it where sometimes uh malevolent spiritual influences there's like a, a point of origin in other words they 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 look at things down the road as far as what will come of the actions and I'm sure you've heard of it where a lot of people that commit uh, that are perpetrators were perpetrated on mm-hmm. you know usually when they were children usually when they were children which is when you're helpless when you're helpless and you you know you're threatened i and I, as a matter of fact, I uh, 
would tell parents, part of my work was, you know, some parents will tell their kids, if anybody touches you, you tell them, I'll just kill them, I'll kill them. You know what that kid's going to do? That kid's not going to tell you. You want me to tell you why? Because I saw it. Kids want to protect their parents. If let's say your dad tells them, I'm going to kill you, any son of a bitch touch you, guess what? That kid's going to say, if I tell my dad, my dad's going to go over there and they're going to beat up or kill this person. And then my dad is going to go to jail. Kids worry about stuff like that. Okay. Now, if the adult tells them something that never happens to you, just come and tell me. I'm going to believe you. You just need to tell me and I'm not going to think you're lying. Don't worry about it. Just come and you tell me immediately. I'll take care of it. All right. Don't worry. And I'm going to believe you. People don't realize that children want to protect their parents or their caregivers. So that's one of the things that I say. Well, sometimes kids also, besides the fact that they're threatened by a perpetrator, that they don't say things, they want to protect their caregiver. They want to, um, because even as a kid, unless you're really, really small, you understand the repercussions. They even worry, well, if my mom and dad go to jail, then are they going to send me to jail? What, what will happen to us? Where am I going? So it's like, what do I do then? That's when they take on these adults. And I'm going to give you a, a real quick case. I had a young lady, only child. She lived with her parents in a trailer park. Smart kid, though. Her family of origin was in another state. And she had aspirations of going to college. She wanted to... By the way, her parents loved her, but her parents were dealing drugs out of their trailer. And they kind of, I think her mom was hooked on opioids also. Because her mom was like perpetually on a sofa. And her dad, by the way, had this, and she had tried to, she, first of all, she wanted to go to college. And they were kind of like, no, don't leave. Because they were kind of using her. She was 17 years old as a, as a like, don't leave, don't go. Her family in the other state, which is where they had the university, was telling her, come over, you can, you stay with us, and you can go to the university. And the parents, though they loved her, they're still wanting to hold on to her. Okay? And she, she had tried to talk them out. And apparently, more than once, I guess, the, the cops went in there, and she would deny it. She was still protecting her parents. Even though, as a teenager, she knew that what they were doing was dangerous for themselves and, you know, the whole illegal... Guess what? It was like, I want to say it was like May or June or something like that. And school was starting in the fall. She called the cops on her parents. Mm. She, and I was the one that spoke to her. And she says, I want to go to university and I love my parents. But they're not going to get better. They're not going to let this go. And they're not going to let me go. I don't know what to do. You know, and it wasn't for lack of love because I met the parents. They were not bad people. They, I mean, how can I tell you? They loved her, but they were screwed up. They were like, they, it was a toxic kind of love. Okay. And eventually, of course, she was 17 years old. We shipped her off to her family in the other state so that she could go to university in the fall. And her dad took the, you know, when the, the, the he took the fall, he said, saw me and the mom, she was, she was, she was hooked on opioids. Um, and, you know, then later on it got resolved. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, you know, sometimes uh, people have the wherewithal as a kid to 
realize at some point, especially as I grow older, but when you're a young kid, you worry. You put, you become the protector, especially when your parents, like I said, they weren't really directly doing something to her, but she was having to live there. Yeah. See, that that's very interesting because I, I never really looked at it from that perspective in regards to a child wanting to protect their parents. Yes. You know what I mean? I never saw it in that way. So it's really... Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that because it does shift their perspective as to why you know a lot of times these kids are in these situations and they don't talk you know what i mean so it it gives that other side of like okay i don't want to um cause anybody else like pain i don't want to get my parents found out and all this other stuff but in addition to this identity another thing is coming up as uh you know that we have those identities where people don't want to um they get threatened because they don't want to um you know, quit smoking. But then there's that identity that's really an, an illness, I think, today. And, you know, I think a lot of us still suffer from it. The um, identity when we attach ourselves to materialistic things. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit? Well, again, it comes a lot to, okay, the extreme, extreme version of this is those people, you know, you've heard of hoarders, which is really, that's an extreme example. It's It's a type of OCD, which, by the way, is very difficult to cure, which basically things comfort you. And I'm sure if you've ever seen that show, you will see that even they dismiss their own children. In other words, their things, whatever it is that they things are, become more important to them than even their own families. And that's why some kids and everything will step away and go. And but let's let's not go to that degree of because that's mental illness, that's an OCD, whatever. But let's say the person, because they, they they are into the way they're perceived. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, they their value. And believe it or not, if you look at, for example, narcissists who are very much, and I'm going to use a narcissist because they are very much into the physical, their appearances, uh, you know, admiration. Believe it or not, what fuels that is a deep self hatred. Okay. And you think, how does that work? And mm-hmm. Yeah, because you need that total adulation. But let's say you're not a narcissist either, but you think your worth is tied into how others perceive you. A lot of it sometimes has to do with your upbringing. Um, or you feel like, you know, it, the way people see me is everything. My worth is based on when people look at me and with admiration or make a comment but let's it's almost filling a void that you have in yourself about that you don't see your own self-worth okay so you need that uh how can i say it that you need others to tell you yeah you look great and that's why you need it all the time that's why you see people spend tons of money on wardrobes or cars or where they purchase a house or what they do for a living even if it's something they really hate we did it again verizon was just named america's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. 
Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. You know, I, I one time, I want to go back to my own anecdote. I remember I used to work with a guy who at one time was, um, worked on Wall Street. And uh, one time we got to talking, and he goes, Marlene, I hated that job. <laughs> I hate it. She says, I, the stress was killing me. And I said, but why did you do it? He goes, because if you were in working on Wall Street, if you were a trader, this was like the end all be all. You know, like you've seen that movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, you know, yeah. that, that you, it goes, I hated it. I hated it. But the image was that if you were a trader on Wall Street, and this was a few years back, you, that's it. You lots of money, you got it made. And yeah, that there was a lot of stress, but who cares? It was like, you know, play hard, work hard kind of mentality. And I think he almost, he was like a kind of young guy. I think he almost, I didn't, I don't remember if he actually had a heart attack or his doctors told him, you keep this up and you're going to die. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to keel over on the trade floor. Mm-hmm. And but it didn't take much, but he, he admitted it wasn't like, oh, you know what? I really loved that job and I had to stop doing it because my doctor was like, I hated it. I hated it. I always hated it. So again, we come back to what you do for a living, where you live, what you look like. Um, you need that outside reinforcement to battle what you're telling yourself, which is, I don't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be overlooked. I, if I don't look this way, then I'm invisible. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure you've heard it. People that are afraid of being invisible. Yeah. It's like, I'll be overlooked. And you know what? Truth be told up to a certain point, there is some truth to it and I'll explain it because we're geared that way. We're geared to the person that's beautiful. I'm going to use the beauty part. You know, the perf- the person that's beautiful gets the attention, gets let in first. What was it? I heard a study where they said uh, if people tended more to, let's say, in, their, in the traffic, honk their horn at a uh, like older broken kind of down car versus a Mercedes. Even though the Mercedes driver had done something really stupid, people wanted were eaten, were quicker to beat their horn or hey versus the person of Mercedes. Why? Because we have this idea of that beauty or wealth or whatever somehow better, uh, and that's that's a problem. That's a whole different problem. But I hate to say it, our society fuels this a lot of times, repetitiously, all the time, all the time. Okay, uh, and, um, and I hate to say it, some ads, either you're beautiful, slick, as in, you know, you don't have a hair out of place, or they use people that are, they, they, they never use average looking people. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're either uh, really like discombobulated or overweight or like frizzled or frazzled, or you're super slim, attractive, put together, and it's like, what happened to the middle, you know, the, where the rest of us are, you know, <laughs> groomed, 
but hey, I might not have chiseled abs. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But again, when you were coming to that thing about where we uh, get hooked up on the, you know, the let's say the um, the brand name. All right. Uh, what was it? Who was it that told me? Oh, you know that Mercedes is now built by Chrysler. It's like really, <laughs> you know. But you, <laughs> I bet you those people that have bought the Mercedes, if instead of a Mercedes had a Chrysler thing on it, how much you want to bet they wouldn't buy that Mercedes, even if it was the same car, yeah. even if it was the same design, wouldn't buy it if it didn't have the Mercedes, you know, a little thing and. Uh, it's all the labeling because the thing is what's really important because I think you know a lot of the times um, it's important for people to understand identity and what they identify with because it's almost like you know I've been in that position where I've lost everything you know mm -hmm. what I mean and I realized that 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 moment that I was able to separate myself from those uh, those titles those roles and materialistic because they're not me because it's almost like people need to realize that if they're searching externally to identify themselves. That's very, you mentioned it, and I mentioned a lot too, is empty. You're trying to fill this void inside of yourself that cannot be filled with all of these different materialistic things. And I'm not saying that having materialistic things um, are wrong. Oh, no, it's However, not. Absolutely not. No. No. You, you can have them, but you just don't need to identify them. You know what I mean? You right, can have right. them, but then it's like, oh, that house doesn't define me. But it's almost like people, when people, again, like tur turn away from themselves and don't focus on dealing with trauma, then obviously you're going to grab all this different shit to try to fill your emptiness, but it's not going to work. You well, know? I'll give you yeah. an example. Let's say, let's say you, you've got that mindset where, you know, you, it's all about what you wear, what you drive, where, yeah, nine times out of 10, you're running with a crowd who's on the same, you know, everybody's yeah. on that same and something happens to you, you crash and burn, something happens, whatever, you lose your job, whatever, whatever. Guess what? One of two things. If you keep hanging out with those people, you're going to be really miserable. Mm. Okay. Or you can taste. Or if you ever do it consciously, guess what? You drop those friends. Yeah. Because it's it, you, you, to hang out with people that you're, everybody's always trying to impress the other one. Um, it's exhausting. Yes. And they're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. You know, what, uh, you know, why are you taking that instead of this? Because that's maybe overpriced and all I'm paying for is the brand. <laughs> that's why, you know, but, and you made a very good point, Carol. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to achieve certain things. Okay. Or want certain things because you say, you know what? I like that. And, you know, but what's motivating you is not because, hey, you know, I want something that I know is, you know, I might be not be able to afford it. And I'm going to spend sleepless nights buying something that I know I can't afford, but I have it. It's like, in other words, you get beyond that. You're like, I'm not going to buy that now, right now, because I'm not about to lose sleep because that thing, whatever that thing is, I'm overextending myself, let's say money-wise. You know what? A lot of those people, not everybody, but a lot of those people that you see driving around, they're... They says they spend a lot of sleepless nights because if they lose their job or something goes sideways with them economically, it's like a house of cards. You know, yeah, you can roll around in your nice car, but you've got like a any minute now, you know, everything can just fall apart. And uh, I guess that 
deep down inside you're not really happy despite what mm -hmm. it may look like and we'll come back to how many times you see these entertainers which are multi-millionaires have these beautiful houses the perfect boyfriend girlfriend husband wife whatever their lifestyle looks magical and then they crash and burn or they commit suicide and you're like what happened how could that have happened then you see them of course every time they're posing for a picture they look so happy and beautiful and put together but they're not happy they're in deep down inside they're not happy and that happens a lot when you're counting your self-image is based it's so horrible that you need to fill it by what other people see you as and, and that's a particular moment in time that's where you know you either exit out of those kind of relationships yeah. and a, a new supportive environment because it's so i find you know when i talk to people you know even myself it was really hard to kind of let go of certain kind of relationships that or don't resonate but it's almost like if you start to become more aware and you know what really matters in life you you have to protect that you know what yes. i mean you, you cannot um let yourself be so easily swayed because you know how there's so much like um the things in society cause mental diseases that the comparisons we don't measure up you know what i mean yeah. that's what causes us to feel less than because we're always benchmark of like oh man this person um i need to get there because that's what that image of success is or that's what the image of beauty is and it's, it's so convoluted and so people need to start um i guess recognizing their own self their own beauty and cultivating that or like or you know and it doesn't even sometimes have to be with looks i'm gonna use another remember that um it's an older tom cruise movie uh the one with renee zellweger Oh yes, uh, which we'll call it. I know what you're Show me the money. Show me the money. God, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on the title of it. I know. Okay, okay. I know. What you're right. Anyway, do you know that there's that part where she, I think it was her sister that all these women would get together, and they would bitch complain about all their all their uh, relationships. They were kind of all angry at men, mm -hmm. and then they were kind of like looking at her when she tells Tom Cruise, "You had me at hello." Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That also has to do with, and the reason why I'm bringing that up, it, it also who you hang out with has to do not not only with uh, physical stuff, let's say that the possessions, it also has to do with feelings. Yeah. You hang out with a group of angry people, whatever they are, whether it's all women, men, or mixed, and all of a sudden you're all supporting why you're angry to stay angry. Guess what? Sometimes, especially when you develop friendships there, it you feel bad breaking ranks. Because they feel the fire, they feel the anger, or they feel uh, whatever is going on. Okay? Because if everybody, let's say, if everybody gets together once a week, and all they do all the time is, hey, membership in here means that you have got to be, there comes a point that you're going to say, How do, do I really want to go? <laughs> do we ever talk about good things? Or are we all gonna, just going to sit there and bitch and complain about the whatever? But they don't do anything to solve it. I guess yeah. that's my point. You know, whatever the thing is, like, okay, we're going to sit here and bitch and complain, and, and, and then what? What does that do for us? Makes Probably makes you feel worse, more justified in being angry, but none of them do anything like, let's say, let's say, uh, let's, let's use that same, they're all angry because they got out of, were hurt. That's really, anger is hurt. Well, what are we going to do? What do I, okay, well, we need to, you know, we need to start dating. Yeah, well. What, what, what got me in trouble the last time? Well, maybe I got involved with this type and I realized that now. Like, how am I, 
But no, they never get that. All they would, you know, sit around and tell their stories about how they were, uh, like, you know, screwed over by the main. Yeah, whatever. And it's like the same thing can happen. It doesn't necessarily just have to pertain to as far as who we hang out with, as far as possessions or, or things. It could just be, okay, you know what? Like I said, you uh, people that are usually angry are very scared and sad. And they just, the, the anger is a self-defense mechanism. You know, so again, it, you could apply it to a lot of things. And by the way, again, I, I, I want to say that all these things, it, if they're on a temporary basis, they're okay. I've seen people participate in group therapy, which worked great. But group therapy, for example, for, for whatever they're addressing, whether it's grief, or, is good only X amount of time. Then you got to break out of it. You got to move beyond it. It's like a bridge that you need to get to the other side. Problem is when all of a sudden, five years later, for example, you're still in the grief group therapy group or the this group or that group. It's like okay, you're stuck here. You've got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you're so addicted to grief. <laughs> you're addicted to grief. You're addicted to sitting there and uh, oh, you know, and like you got you went through the the steps of you know grief, and you're still like okay, like yeah, you can be sad about it, but yeah, same thing. Uh, there comes a point where it, where something becomes permanent. In, in a case like this, that's when you develop a real problem as far as getting stuck there. And again, that comes back to your subconscious mind. Once I get beyond this, that's scary. I don't know maybe how to deal with this. In the case of grief, people sometimes feel guilty when they don't feel grief. Or in the case of relationships, it's like, oh my God. If I'm not angry anymore and still just bitching and complaining about this last guy or last whatever, then I might meet somebody new who might screw me over again. I mean, or whatever. You know, I mean, we kind of like to extrapolate worst case scenarios. So I'll just sit here and we can all get together and drink a glass of wine and bitch and complain. Mm, yeah, okay. That's safer. You know, and then I'll feel justified why I'm still like, you know, I haven't gone on a date in the last three years or some shit you know, it's like, ah, I mean, it, it, and again, we always circle back to the power of the subconscious mind. The power of the subconscious mind is very, very much more powerful than people think. And that's what drives us. And because yes. we get bombarded so continuously, we have to constantly be working on it. I said, there is no magic pill. And I wanted to talk about yeah, it's, 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 it's a bitch. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. You mean I have to yeah. sit there and read maybe, a, a, and I'm not the biggest fan of self-help books because I think some, 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 some self-help books are vacuous. But yeah, sometimes you do need to listen to podcasts and, you know, and get your mind back because this is to center yourself away from all the crap that gets thrown at us, you know, about. Yeah, because if the subconscious has all this negative programming, you know, that's mm -hmm. really hindering you and guess what you have to start you know um update yourself with new programming to start facilitating yeah. that you want to be and in that like i want to we also talked about um uh before about the, the human condition so i want you to hone that a little bit in regard to the human condition and then how like uh doubt is something that will always be there no yes. matter what 
And yeah, so can you touch well, on Well, uh, I get a, a lot of people that live their lives. The human condition is living your life can get messy. And some people want to, you know, you know, when like that color outside the lines, they want their lives to be like that. They want to play it safe and they cheat themselves out of, we're meant to engage in life. Okay, by this I don't mean do stupid stuff. I'm saying that there comes a point where maybe you analyze things or you research them and then you execute. And sometimes it turns out great and other times it's like, what a mistake that was. Okay, and get you get up and you not do that again or do it better or try it again and not do it that way. And the human condition is that. Life is messy. Sometimes it's your fault and sometimes things like plunk you like a two by four like oh you know things happen to you circumstances that you have nothing to do with whatever happened perfect example let's say something happens at your workplace hostile takeover all of a sudden you have no job you had no it was not your fault okay but here you are all right uh sometimes it's life that happens in life and some people they wig out because the, the, what is that uh, saying that wasn't supposed to happen to me mm-hmm. you know or i'm a good person why did that happen or yeah. guess what? what did i do to deserve this what did i do to deserve that god yeah. or you know that you know wow that that happens to so many people and then they get and it's like you know what was that saying the fair only comes to town once a year some that's one of these sayings you hear all the time and it's like the first time i heard it, i love it i thought that's pretty good um because it is sometimes not everything that happens is fair the wish would have should have could have you get hung up on that all you're gonna do is get really angry yeah you can get angry for a bit and go man that really sucks i don't believe that they didn't yeah whatever uh okay then now what okay what what can i do in other words we come back to i can't go back in time i cannot undo this i can bitch and complain about it but at some point i gotta get beyond this and I got to get, and, and, and I'm going to give you another example. I'm going to use something that I heard from the late Dr. Wayne Dyer. I don't know if you, you've heard about him, right? Okay. Because I've been listening to all these stuff for years. And one time, and when it was, uh, it was either a pod, yeah, it was a podcast or video or something. I was listening. And he starts saying about how he was traveling somewhere and he was at the airport. And at the last minute, they canceled the flight or they had overbooked it. One of the two. And, and he couldn't get on there. And he was supposed to fly somewhere for a lecture. It was really important. And I think it was him and his assistant who were traveling. And But apparently a bunch of people were like left out of the flight at, at the airport. And he says he's standing there. And he says all the people are standing there bitching and complaining. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? You know, because, of course, everybody's going to, for whatever reason, somewhere. And he said he was like all upset. And then he said... Like, oh, my God, you know, how can this happen? Then ah. he says, well, you know what I did? I went up to the counter. And while everybody was bitching and complaining, I told the, the one of the attendants, hey, w- what is the next plane or the next flight that's going out? She goes, yeah, but it's booked. It's booked solid. We all, all our flights to that whatever destination are book solid he goes okay i'll tell you what i'm really hanging out here can you uh, i'm trying to get me and my uh, assistant and she he was said he was really really nice to this attendant i goes look this is just you know can you page me and i'll just 
guess what? He said half an hour later they had cancellations. He was able to get on the flight. Okay. My point being that if you if you were one of the people standing there bitching and complaining and complaining and bitching about how the airline just ruined your life and your plans and whatever, that's it. It's all you were going to get for your troubles. But if you get beyond that, of course, depending on what the situation is, that you do something about it. Okay, bitching and complaining is only going to take you so far. Mm-hmm. You know, that you make an effort to, to resolve it. And that is the human condition. So I'm saying not everything is always going to go the way you planned it, the way you want it. It's how you react to it, though, that makes... And sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. And again, in that scenario that I described about with uh, Dr. Dyer, let's say... Let's say the, <laughs> nobody canceled, you know you you at least feel better that as a matter of fact i remember that happened to me personally um like about five years ago we were going up to new jersey my mother-in-law she got sick really all of a sudden so we were we it was we, what did we, i want to say was it philadelphia it was philadelphia and all of a sudden i'm not kidding you they canceled the flight from that point into new jersey it was like what do you mean no, they canceled the flight. They, they like, but but why? The ba- bad weather. There's no bad weather. We really never got a straight answer. Don't worry, we'll refund you that part of the. It was like, yeah, but that doesn't stop. I'm trying to get to New Jersey. I've got a sick family member who we think might pass away, which he didn't. But we were like thinking, like we gotta get there like yesterday. We go up to the desk and we said, look, uh, this happened. Well, this was about three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon. We might have something at 11 o'clock and you would each have to go separately, me and my husband. You would have to take different flights because we think, we think we might have a seat. And we were like, holy crap. Guess what? (laughs) And I was like, this is not going to work. We got to get there yesterday. I got on the thing and I finally, finally ran down a rental, car rental company who would rent me a truck. It was one. Of, I remember it was like Philadelphia. It was like a busy city where like rentals, and it was, in one way, that's another thing. Rent me a truck, and that's how we got to New Jersey. Like, it was like a, maybe like a three-hour drive, because we were pretty close. But that's how we got there. And you know what? I was really talk about mad. We were upset, upset, upset. We could have sat there and bitched and complained and moaned at that airport. Which, by the way, we had no hotel. We had nothing. Um. And it was like, okay, I, I got to think of something. And I tried, and I was calling, and I was doing this, and finally. But what I'm saying is, my point is not that I'm smarter. and it, It's just that people don't realize the human condition is things happen to you, good and bad, or in the middle. If you can react to it, and then once you react, is if, if action is what's necessary, what are you going to be do about it? Because like you said earlier, that thing about, well, this is not fair. I made a reservation. I did whatever. I did all the things I was supposed to do. How could they do this to me? And I, it happens. How much do you think I could have bitched and complained to those poor attendants at the airlines? Nothing. They just said, hey, they canceled it. Yeah, because you see, I see it all the time because it's almost like you want to you wanna bitch and complain at the middle person who has no control over the situation. Right. And the thing is, it's almost like that thing happened. Your flight got canceled. You know what I mean? 
what can you do about it? Like, bitching, complaining is not going to make it any better. No, it's so, not. Don't get me wrong. It's not that, it feels good for a minute. You know, it feels like, watch. And then, then it's like, okay, I can sit here. <laughs> but then you just got to let it go. Because sometimes, you know, we all, like, yeah, yeah and that's human, human condition. You know, we, we have good things happen to us. We have bad yeah. things happen. And sometimes things happen outside the box and stuff like that. But it's just like, you know what? Yeah, you but, know what I mean? But you know what, Carol, what it comes back down to is people start thinking, I don't matter. I don't matter. I'm bitching and complaining, and I don't matter. Okay, it's like, get over it. What are you going to do? Okay, the solution is not going to be these people behind the counter, for example. You're the solution. Think of something. Think of anything or try it. Maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. But, you know, but people get caught up in the I don't matter. So I'm going to make somebody <laughs> make me matter, you know. Or and, I need to be heard, so I have to be heard. You know what I mean? So yes. I gotta scream louder. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I gotta, you know Don't what worry, I mean? you know what? And everybody's, I've done it. I'm gonna speak to your supervisor. I've done it. And that, and, but by the way, because I've learned, I tell them, you know what? I'm not gonna give you to like, like you said, the frontline person. I go, look, I'm not gonna give you grief because I know it's not your decision. Why don't you get me somebody that I can really <laughs> bitch at? And they laugh. Some of them laugh. <laughs> Because I'm not going to take it out on you because I know it's not your fault and you're following rules and you don't have the authority, whatever. Um, I've done that. I'm not going to say there's no point in time that you can do that. And even then, sometimes even managers don't have the power to do anything. But I guess ultimately what my point is that the human condition is called self-responsibility. You have to be responsible for yourself, all your actions. But the flip side of that is, which a lot of people don't realize, is that you have control over your life. Okay? If you're responsible for yourself, you have control over your life. A lot of people are very scared of being responsible for themselves. Mm-hmm. So they give the authority to anything, the state, the government, the police, the, the church, you know, whoever. Just tell me what to do because if it screws up, it's not my fault. Come on. You have to be responsible. But again, you have control. I personally think that when you say, yeah, that was my fault, and boy, but I have control, which means I'm not gonna do that again that way. Yeah. Yep, that's that's a very, very, very liberating feeling. Scary, but liberating. Yeah, I have a question. Yes. Um, it's, it's unrelated, but do you have like um, a mirror reflecting, like you know, in front of you? That's kind of because I see this kind of um, clear globe. Like I have, I have. Okay, I have, uh, the only thing I can think of is, I have a picture back here that's pretty big that has glass on it. I don't have windows behind me. Okay, because I, I don't know what's going, because I've seen I have, uh, no, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I took two, two portraits that I had here behind me on my, well, here, I took them down, and, no, let me see that way, because, it's not like, um, okay, let of, me see, let me see oh. if I can think of. Globe, that globe, uh, that. I was seeing it throughout. Yeah, I know, I know, I know what you think. Okay, that's. Okay, this is. That way. Uh, okay, this is my. And you're seeing because you know how things get inverted in the camera. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you're talking about, right? No, right. Yeah. I don't know, no, no, no. It was I know, like- I know, it's back there. The only thing I have back there is I have a clock yeah. on the wall. That's the only thing I can think of. 
Yeah, because you see that corner behind you, that yes. corner. So I've seen like a, like this, yes. their globe. Like That's the only thing I can think of. I have a clock and on top of it, I have a really large portrait. But as far as being round, you know what? I really don't have anything there. I don't know what that is. How's that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> No, I have, uh, no, I don't have anything on the wall there. Oh, whatever. There you go. An anomaly in the film. Well, okay. I don't, I don't have anything there. At that, I know I'm looking at what I'm looking at. There's my camera. There's, um, yeah. No, there's nothing there. I don't know what's causing that. I yeah. have a portal in my, my office. How's that? I'm only kidding. Yeah. See, it just went there again. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wee. Yeah, just right behind you, just like yeah. this, this globe lighting thingy. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay I if I disappear, just send out a search party for me, okay? <laughs> I will, I will, I will. <laughs> hey, man, she has a portal. It's yep. Stargate or something, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay, so sorry to digress and go Oh, on. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> like, you know, I kept on seeing it. I'm like, what, the, what is that? Did she have like a reflection mirror behind her? As a matter of fact, let's see. Let's see if I... Uh, there. Uh, I moved a little bit. My camera. There. And there. So I just made the port, the the portal, the vortex disappear. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way. I don't have time for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the the last one I I, I want to get into the two last things um, is like why people continually sabotage themselves oh because they're 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 following the script that they're um that their subconscious mind that's very easy they sabotage themselves their subconscious mind is telling them nope that thing you want to do whatever that what you want to lose that new job that new relationship blah, 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 blah. that doesn't fit that's pain or like i said the subconscious mind is dictated by pain or pleasure pain is the unknown pleasure is the known the comfort zone so whatever it is that you want to do that's going to break homeostasis, which is the norm, the, the, the status quo, whatever it is that you're going to do, even though logically you recognize this is better for me or I want that for your subconscious mind will try to maintain homeostasis, which is let's keep things the way they are, even if. Let's say you're overweight. We're gonna keep you busy. If that job, but that's that's what you know how to do. Uh, that relationship, same thing. Um, let's not let's not rock the boat. Let's just keep it. That's why even in some cases where you have recovering addicts, sometimes they even tell them to move out of their houses because when they live in a household with a partner and or children, the family will try to. Um, retain homeostasis and then you'll have kids acting out just to drive the behavior let's say of the person that had an addiction back into using because you would think why would they do that because even in groups they want to maintain homeostasis so it gets back to that sabotage let's go to the individual sabotage you're fighting the programming that your subconscious mind has dictated is your comfort zone you're going to take us into pain, pain being the unknown. What will come of this, whatever you're trying to do? Okay. Oh, you're going to lose weight? Well, you know what? Then what, what does that mean? All those clothing that you bought, you're going to have to get rid of that. And you might become attractive. And, uh, you know, you might attract attention. And then what? And then you'll meet some horrible person. Yeah. 
it extrapolates to all these fears just to drive you back into or in a relationship well you know what if you become slim and attractive you'll have people hitting on you and then you got to be faithful and then um again or they even fear how it will affect let's say you have two people who both have weight problems and one of the steps that's it i'm done or they have a health scare real bad one and they start dropping weight you don't think that part of their problem is how is this going to affect my relationship how what will come of this if i drop weight and then all of a sudden i'm if you don't think first of all that that other person is going to sabotage it or try to sabotage it or they sabotage it of course or they know or that one person recognizes the, the only thing that's holding this relationship together is that common thing that we have overeating addiction a certain behavior that's the tie that binds because that person doesn't have any judgments against me you know whatever hey be quiet my little dogs are having a moment but again yes sabotage is very common and that's why you need to work on whatever it is that you're doing you on the subconscious level you can sit there and affirm to yourself till you turn blue that's only going to take you so far if you don't work with your subconscious mind which is 88 percent of your mind you ain't gonna get far you're not going to get far. I told you that when I was trying, I made a backup plan. I was going to walk and then I made myself map out in my neighborhood a, a two-mile route. And then I had clothing, gym shoes and stuff that I could change in my car. Because I knew it. I knew it. I knew that I would do something to sabotage myself so that I could not go to the park, which I knew that at sundown they would close and not allow me in there. And sure enough, I did it, by the way, at the beginning. I did it. I did it. And... I also learned that you couple your behavior with something pleasurable. At that time, um, this was a while back, you know, when you have your MP3 player separate, you know, I downloaded podcasts, self-help or from certain people like Dr. Dye or other ones, people that spoke about this and I would listen to it. Well, I would walk and the reward centers of your brain, all of a sudden it was like I was walking, but I was feeling good. You know, because I was listening to, of course, I picked people that were progressive, you know, helpful uh, ideas about behavior, about maybe why we behave. So I coupled that uh, walking, jogging thing. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. With this this release of ideas 
and endorphins, which is really what drives our reward centers, till it was like, it all felt good, you know? And, but of course you have to force yourself at the beginning and even afterwards to go back, becomes a habit, and then you couple it with something pleasurable. And, but sometimes people, those, the subconscious sometimes is very deeply ingrained. This, what happens is sometimes a change in behavior leads to other changes in behavior. Okay. I drop weight. Well, now I guess what? I think I'm going to participate in marathons. Oh, you know, boy, you're, well, you're going to what with all those athletes? <laughs> you're going to walk in there and they're going to be like, huh? Because of course you're going to look at it with the worst case. And then you have this moment, this epiphany when you realize nobody cares and nobody's looking at you. But yeah. before you do it, you know, you're like, you know, you're going to have the whole crowd turn around and go, oh, look who arrived. Shit, what is she doing here? Yeah. The, 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 the fucked up thing is that they're, they're probably all thinking the same shit. Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and even the ones who was like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Even the ones that are into that. Oh, and the, oh, did you see that? Per oh, my God. Good shit. Who you are? What You have nothing to do with my world. Who cares what you think? You know, I, I don't care. You don't affect my life. You know, so, and, and I'm going to use another one. I'm going to, I'm going to steal Dr. Dyer's uh, saying. He had one, which I never, I goes, what you think of me is none of my business. And yeah. I heard that one time. I was like, man, that he's so on it with that. He really gets, <laughs> I got to remember that. You know, when we get all caught up, like, oh, you know, it's like, what you think of me is none of my business. And then, believe it or not, that's, that's very simple, but very, very, very helpful when people get caught up and says, and like, what are they going to say? What are they looking at? And, care. You know, you're, ha you're happier about it. Yeah. And you really don't care. That's the thing. It's not that you tell yourself, I don't care. And you're like, oh my God. No, I don't care. And I really don't care. Yeah. But it's almost like, it, it's funny because it's almost along this like kind of journey of like evolution of yourself. You really like get to the point where you don't really give a fuck about a lot of things. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Know. But you're a lot happier. But when you look back, it takes a while. Don't get me wrong. You have to like pull yourself. But when you get there and you look back and you're like, man, I can't believe I really cared about that or I was worried about that, you know, or you realize, man, all that stuff in the moment seems so, and now it's like, didn't make a difference one way or the other, you know, and I, I wasted sometimes time, energy, money, you know, yeah. trying to do whatever that, whatever it is. And God, I wish I would have, that's what I'm saying. The only ones that don't is when you're so old, <laughs> that you don't give a <laughs> shit and you're like, what? What do you, honey? If I was you, I'd be down there, like you know, uh, you know, like they tell a guy kissing all the girls and asking about. You know how guys sometimes are like, I'm not gonna share. I might be rejected. And you see the old man, I'd be like, next. Hey, you wanna go out with me? Hey, you wanna dance? Hey, you wanna like, reject away? I don't. Because they get it. They realize in, in the long run, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nobody's keeping a tally. Like, oh well, you know what? You uh, got rejected. Let me see. Hmm. Nobody cares. You go to the cemetery. Who can you, when you look at these monuments at these, can you tell who's a good person, a bad person, who cleaned their house, who was one of those German phobes that, let me, let me clean this with a toothbrush, you know. <laughs> By the way, I'm not into messy houses, but there comes a point where, you know, some people get carried away is my, my thing, you know, where they spend all their energy, like, you know, like disinfecting everything. It's like, 
Duh, it doesn't matter. That's kind of a, a perfect segue for um, the next question that we talked about before about um, how much people live in wish and regret, even the people in their deathbed. You know, you talk about the great. Yeah, I think a lot of people that that I think more people regret things they didn't do. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's certain things that we do that we regret. Unfortunately, the worst ones. But when we come up uh, as far as decisions of to do, I think people regret more in their old age things they didn't do because they talked themselves out of it or they let others talk them out of it, which, by the way, is a good excuse. Like, I didn't do that because so-and-so. It's like, come on, come on. You know, you're letting, you didn't do it because unless you were so young that you, let's say, your parents had to, like, outside of that, ultimately you do what you want. A lot of people have more regrets about what they didn't because you were scared. Okay, so you were scared. You're supposed to be scared, by the way. Certain things, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, you're supposed to be scared. And maybe you need to think worst case scenario. And then you do it, you execute. And a lot of people, their, their regrets are, I should have tried that. I should have done that. I should have ask that person or be with that person or at very least attempt it because there's nothing you know people don't realize you try something whatever the case might be and it doesn't happen but you know i tried it mm. i tried to do that but then when you come to that i didn't almost but i got talked out of it and i eh, and after a while you realize that, that that's a lot of our regrets it's not the regret of trying and failed it's the regret of not trying it at all and then there comes a time that you're so old let's face it where realistically it's just not prudent or possible for you to do that you know which we could get into a whole nother thing about what society does to age people into hey if you're this age this is how your health should be and this is what your life should be and blah 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 and people start acting society when you get to that age, this is what your behavior should be. And your house should be this. And, and a lot of that is driven by society versus what, how we truly feel. As a matter of fact, uh, you, know, you know how they were saying the, 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 the today's 50s or the, today's 40s or one of those deals? Oh, I can't remember. I was watching some movie from the 70s. It was a cop movie. I can't remember what it was. This is guy, he must have been in his, the, the main player. He must have been like, as a matter of fact, I remember what the movie was, Serpico. This is, you know, one of those early um, movies in the 70s where Robert De Niro and uh, Al Pacino, it was Al Pacino in that movie. He was very young Al Pacino. And there's this shot, he must have been in the movies portraying a guy in his early 30s and they show his mother. His mother looked like today's really great grandmother. Totally <laughs> white hair. She's coming to the house when she's got shot, and she's like, she's, a, she's got like about to die. It's like, when the hell were you when you had him? 50? You know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Things have developed as far as not, not, now you show, you know, grandparents or parents are younger looking. But at the same time, and I'm sure you've seen it, the media makes it look like, hey, if you're this age, these should be your life concerns. You know? Do you need a little scooter? You know, <laughs> do you need a, do you need one of those things to grab the stuff on the top shelf? Yeah. Like, no, I can jump in the back of my pickup, which I still can, you know, 
that my kids are like, mother, you can bust your ass. It's like, all right, shut up, you know. But I'm saying that they put these expectations of what you should be like, your life should be like at a certain age, especially as you grow older. It's like, but yeah, regardless, of course, there's times where you're like, come on, let's, look, you can't do that. You're just not going to be able to do that. Where a lot of people say, in other words, that their that their moment came and went. Whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it's not something physical. Sometimes it could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be moving to another city because they wanted to pursue something, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm not. I can't move there now." You know, you know where you're talking about uprooting and setting up a new household. Um. Yeah, I would say that 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 regret and would circle right back to. Sometimes circumstances don't allow you to. Sometimes it's just no matter how much you would want to, you just can't. You're, the logistics aren't there. You've got one of two things. You either start working on it to make it happen, if that's what you really want. Or two, it's just your subconscious talking you out of why you shouldn't do it. Because all these horrible things, or you have to do all of that? Can you imagine? Oh, crap. That's a lot. So you kind of like your subconscious talks you out of it. It makes all these fears look monumental. And then, of course, when you get older and you're a little bit wiser in life, you realize, so, yeah, I could have had all those problems, but I could have maybe planned it and done it. Yeah. So let's kind of, like, circle back to now what um, that magic pill that everybody wants, and then also what can people start doing based on your experience and your expertise to start Re, um, reprogramming that subconscious. Okay. I want to say, first of all, that it's nothing, there's no finite moment on it. I cannot say, hey, in a week, next month, in a year from now, you're done with the program. You know how that's saying that they say you, if you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. That. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, yeah. You could, you could, it, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt to break the ice. I agree. If you really, but, Again, and this comes to there is no magic pill in the sense of there's no point where you could say, man, I'm done with that. No, you know why? Because we don't live where we get, you, you know, even if you programmed yourself, you're still going to get bombarded with all these messages from different sources, other people, your family, um, you know, the TV, whatever, that kind of wear down. So you always have to be on a continuous, by this I don't mean every second like that. You know, but, you know, like, oh, I, I, where, you know, you just have to, like, because it, it, it kind of, like, eats away at this mindset that you have about what really matters to you. So, again, there is no finite moment where you could say, hey, I can stop doing this. People are waiting for that. That's it. I'm done. No, you're not done. You're not ever done. Unless you're really, really old, like I said, and by then you, you, you know, you got it, you, you get it, um, because, like I said, unless you live on the mountain under the rock where you don't get influenced by anything or anybody, you are going to have something that's always somebody that's going to want to drive your behavior a certain way, and a lot of times that behavior is not what you want or it goes against what really is in the best interest for you. So yeah, that you have to. Find time for yourself, for reflection, for listening to a recording, to, or even watch certain things that make you feel good. And, mm -hmm. 
let me tell you something. I want to say people, you know, when we release endorphins in our brain, which is what drives the, re, you know, the reward centers in our head, which is what makes us happy. Uh, you got to stick to those, um, to those behaviors. Some people, it's like, man, you know, when I go to the park and I just sit out there and I people watch, you know, it just, it's great. Like, and then what happens is that your brain releases endorphins and makes you feel good. And then all of a sudden you start relating to that as a pleasurable experience. But my point is we're also getting bombarded at the same time. Oh, it's scary out there. Bad things can happen to you. You you know, you see that movie that people getting mugged in the park or something, you know, some shit, you know what I'm saying? We're like, we all of a sudden it's like, do I really want to go to the park? That's why I'm saying that even though we have something pleasurable or something that we're doing that's good, you get messages that sometimes will inspire fear or want to drive you from that behavior. So you always have to like go back to the, I'm not going to feel the fear. I'm going to be prudent about it. I'm going to think, is this really appropriate? Or should I just be careful? Should I just be aware of my surroundings? But that doesn't mean I stop going to the park. For ex That's an example, of course. So no, Carol, there is no moment where you're complete and done and it's over. Um, same, and, and you know, I want to say the elderly, a lot of times people expect people to die at a certain age or to have certain health risks or certain diseases. Oh, because everybody at that age usually does. Not necessarily. Um, because again, we, we, we get hit. So no, there's no moment. There's no... I'm not going to tell you again 24-7, but that you have to do that throughout your life. And again, um, let's let, let's go down the... Let's say you're one of these people that... And I've heard of it. That hits retirement. And I'm sure you've heard of people that retire and then die. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know? And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you don't have to go to work. And who thinks, man, who would have a hard time not going to work? You'd be surprised. Maybe the first couple of months, it's great. But there's a lot of people that if this is all you've done all your life, whatever your job was, they have a hard time not doing it. Okay, so that then, then there comes into that, you know, restructuring of your expectations, what makes you happy, divorcing yourself and saying, you know what, I can do other things that I will find just as rewarding as what my job was. Okay, that again... I've never done before. Hmm. And of course, it's, it's a process. There's always something going on in our lives, depending on our age or circumstances. A lot of things that I can never say. I'm going to repeat it. There is no magic pill. There is none. We're all looking for it. The, the, the right self-help book, the right diet pill, the, it doesn't exist. It helps. And I think, yeah, but... Unless you're dead, you know, like I said, you're pushing up daisies, you're never going to be off that hook. You were always a work in progress. We are. Yeah, definitely. Because even, you know, even throughout our journeys, or even when you, you hear, you know, people in the top of their game in the industry, they always have fear, they always have doubt. All those things. Yeah are always going to be there. They're always going to come at you. And even at different levels of, 
your evolution. You're going to get to this stage. You know what I mean? And then there's certain fears and things that want you to keep you down and you have to push and break through that. And then there's another stage. Then you have to kind of break through that because that, that ego, that old self, that subconscious always wants you down there. But it's like you, you said earlier, you know, um, you fear it, but do it anyways. And the thing is that you have to do the work. Well, and, and you know what? A lot of people compare themselves to, let's say, somebody else in the same field, and they look like they, they don't have any self-doubt. But you don't know that. You yeah. don't know what's going on inside that person's head. You know, even if they look even if they look or are very successful, you don't know how much self-doubt or how much mental preparation, for example, they might need to go through or squashing down doubt. They just appear confident and they act confident, but you really don't know what's going on inside their head. And a lot of people fall into that comparison thing, yeah. you know, oh, I'm, I, I'm falling apart and look at that person, you know, they're like, you know, they're not even breaking a sweat. I, you don't know what inner turmoil that, maybe that guy, that person went through a sleepless night and they go through a sleepless night. Just as an example, the comparison thing up to a certain point, if you want to use that person to model yourself. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. After them, that's different. Okay, but that comparison thinking that they, 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 that you're the one that's um, somehow wrong or at fault because you're like nervous and anxious and apprehensive and that other, don't do that, don't do that, you know. So, so if you can give uh, people some, some tips or strategies or tools to start, you know, combating, <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? I, okay. But here we're, we're gonna, and, and, I, and I mentioned this in the last show, and, and I used to tell my clients, and they would, they would laugh at me and go, oh, Marlene, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. You want to manifest something. Here we're going on the metaphysical plane. You want to manifest something in the physical plane because obviously this is where we can touch, feel, whatever. You have got to tell the universe or the divine, whatever you want to call it, whatever floats your boat, I'm ready for change. I want to change. I'm just not saying it. I'm ready. I would tell them if you if you have to declutter, you know, get rid of stuff. Oh yeah, I want. Um, and I, I'm sure people have heard it, but I'm, it bears repeating. I'm ready for a new. Uh, I'm ready for a new relationship. Okay. I want you to chuck out your all the stuff you have with your ex. But 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 yeah, even the one that you've got hidden in the drawer. Oh, chuck it out throw it out donate it if it's something buy you know you want to keep one picture somewhere okay whatever but there's people that hang on to all this memorabilia of old relationships but then they're saying they want a new relationship especially something that didn't end the way that one did but they have all and by the way your subconscious mind does know that stuff that you have hidden in the back of the closet <laughs> behind all the crap yeah. Your subconscious mind knows perfectly well that it's there. You might not even remember. You might. How many times do you think you've got, you've opened stuff, you know, and you're like, oh my God, this is here, you know, you, you find a lost civilization, you know, when you're cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You know, 
Believe it or not, your subconscious mind, when it comes to things like that, remembers perfectly well that you put that teddy bear, that picture, that uh, whatever back there. You need to get rid of those things. I'm talking, let's say, for example, the relationship. Um, switch your furniture around. Go to a different place to eat that you've never been to. Hey, I've never tried Indian cuisine. Go try some. Doesn't mean you'll like it, but go try. Drive a different way to work. Hey, but just do things. Start, you know, minor things like this is how you start to change. This is how you tell the universe, I want to change. I'm going to, i just not talking about it. I want to change. Okay. And you'll be surprised at how things like this, I go, come on, this cannot be that difficult. Switching your bedroom or your living room furniture or your dining room furniture around cannot be that hard. It can't. You know, just do it. Push them around and, you know, angle it and, you know, whatever. And take, and they'll be like, they, they, they'll make the connection. Like, what does switching my furniture around have to do with it? I go, that's how things work in the metaphysical plane. Yeah. That's how I think it's almost like it's like, it, sometimes people disregard how simple things are. Yes. You mean and it's that simple? Yeah. That's complicated. You yes, know what I mean? Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, you mean it's, if it's not complicated and difficult, then it's not good. It's like, who told you that? As a matter yeah. of fact, that's, I want to say a lot of how-to things. When you really look at it, especially once you know what they're doing, you're like, why did they complicate it? And you realize, no, if they really said it, they it would seem too simple. Either people dismiss it, okay, because it's too simple, it's not going to work out. Oh, man, if it was that simple, I, yeah, nobody would have done it. No, we got to make it all, dress it up, and, you know, make it all. No, sometimes it's as simple as that. I've had people that I've told them that. I said, you know what, or, you know, or you could put, different potted plants in the entrance to your house, whatever. They will call me up or come back to the next appointment. They'll be like, you can't, you won't believe it. This and this and this happened. I said, did you do what I said? Yeah, that can't work. I said, yeah, I told you, but you got to keep it up. I go, keep doing, I mean, sometimes you can do things in a one day, but don't be scared. And I go, and by the way, sometimes you do things that you change, but basically what you're telling the universe, I'm willing to change and I'm willing to risk an outcome that is not exactly what I wanted, but I'm willing to do. I don't have to have that 100% guarantee that this is going to be done. Because that's what we're also what we're all looking for, which is what you're calling the magic pill. We want the 100% guarantee that whatever you're going to do, it's going to be okay. No, it's never. you're never, ever going to get that. Ever. Ever. Yeah, you could research. You could, you know, calculate. I'm not saying not do that. But again, there comes a point where you execute and sometimes you have to like, you know, like that little bird fly, birdie fly. You never know. You might fly. You might just like, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 we have to do that. And again, sometimes you do things and that experience leads to other things. But if you don't do that first thing, you know, let's, let's go down the, uh, you go to that restaurant you've never been to because you think that food will be horrible and who wants, and then you meet the love of your life there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You would think, oh, I want a new relationship. Okay, you know what? I'll go eat at that uh, ceviche place. God, raw seafood. Ooh. But then all of a sudden, here comes this waiter and you have that, you know, stranger's eyes meet across. Uh -huh. 
You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do another story here real quick. When Hurricane Andrew came in '92, that everything got blown away. I I I you know my my house got I was right in the middle of it. My house lost its windows. Whatever. To make a long story short. I sent my kids. They were with their dad. Um, and my company that I worked for got me a small room in a hotel, like a motel on the other side of the county that had been affected by the hurricane. Because for a while I was homeless until finally I got an apartment. And there were some friends of mine that we all worked together that they got us a place. You know, we had our... And there's a girl, she's... She, she, we're good friends and she was next. She orders pizza. And because then we were like living like exactly out of delivery, like Domino's pizza, whatever, pizza delivery. She... She meets the pizza guy. Now, this is in the middle. Her house, by the way, went down. Her house had, like, pieces of the ceiling. It was, it was like a two-story, and it had those huge ceilings in the front. Her house had pieces of the ceiling, like, hanging down. Her house was totaled. I mean, talk about difficult water damage. I mean, talk about the worst circumstances of your life. And we're, like, in this little run-down motel. She meets the pizza delivery guy. Guess what? He's the same guy on the same route. That every time she would order pizza delivery, he'd be the same guy. They ended up getting married. Wow. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> she's like, oh, you you know who I'm going out with? Because, of course, you know, eventually we were there like maybe like two weeks and then we, everybody was able to get a place to stay, etc. I call, she goes, you know that pizza delivery guy, David? I go, yeah, he seemed like a nice guy. We're going out. Next thing I know, they're getting married. It was like, hello. And I know that that's... But sometimes one thing leads to another, even in the direst circumstances. Okay. And the guy, by the way, the guy was, he was the same, she was in her, we were like, what, mid-30s? He was, he had a regular job, but he was doing this as a side gig because he had just ended his, you know, his relationship. So he was a nice guy and he was just doing this to make extra money. And uh, the last time I checked, they were still married. Wow. So go figure. Yeah, you end up with a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> that yeah. you wouldn't have been there because your house got blown away by this huge hurricane. Yeah. And you ended up going to this really little ratty motel that's like 50 years old, you know, where the rooms are really small. Yeah. But that's my point, that uh, some yeah. things that we do, they lead to other things, good things. I think that the, what you said there is really important in regards to that magic pill. Like, there is never any guarantees you have to take risks and it's okay that you don't know you don't need to know everything, everything. exactly you know let things unfold the way they need to yes. but yes marlene thank you so much for your, no, your thank you everything like that i actually would like to call you back again and talk about you know because i like how we like vibe yeah and no I, I just you know call me and you know maybe we'll get more into the paranormal aspect uh, 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 uh like if you want to i did do spiritual attachment work with the hypnotherapy Okay, that's really, really interesting. Um, and if you want to, I'll send you a link so you can read up on what I did and we can talk about that. You let yeah. me know. We'll go wherever you want to go on this, okay? So, so thank you guys uh, for your time. And Marlene, again, where can they um, reach out to you? They can and... go to MarlenePardo.com is your best bet. Okay, yeah. because from there I have links to everything else that I do, whether it's the podcast or my books or whatever. Like I said, I don't... You know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you before we sign off. I'm gonna, and this is the that people don't realize. Like, I got an email about demonic infestations. 
okay that unfortunately that's that's what i'm saying some of these people that that um that reads uh needing a psychic demonologist medium or remote viewer as soon as possible family curse blood spell involved call me okay because there's sometimes a spiritual metaphysical paranormal aspect sometimes to things that happen that my point is we could talk about the next time if you want to no for sure we'll, we'll dive deep into that so you guys check out marlene she's a jewel of information she's amazing beautiful thank you woman oh. and thank you so much for your time and then yeah i definitely want us to get back on here again and talk about all these other stuff because i think it's interesting and one thing that you mentioned to me last time i'm like you know what you know because I, I i do see those like um those side curbs you know what i mean when they kind of leave stuff for people to take and i'm like no way i'm not taking anybody's stuff because they're to be a spirit attached to it you know what i mean so well, you mind. know what I, you can't get par but it's always better to be on the safe side and by the yeah. way sometimes attachments aren't necessarily malevolent but sometimes if something is used people you know how people sometimes get this is their thing this is their wooby you know we have woobies even as adults yeah you know okay. so so thank you guys so much for your time and uh, as always treat others with love kindness and compassion much love and peace out because i know if we don't end this we're gonna go on i know <laughs> so, take care I guys. Love you guys and yeah i'll be on with you in a second so let's end this all righty bye-bye so what did you guys think interesting interview with carol right she's a fantastic interviewer and her show i believe you could face find her on the on facebook which which is where she was streaming the interview on via zoom and um you could find she also has a book out that you can find on amazon and uh i think it was super interesting all the stuff that we talked about even though we were all over the map it was great it was great and i think that um there's a lot of people say well what does the supernatural have to do or the metaphysical have to do everything overlaps one or the other okay whether it's the mental the physical um the metaphysical the supernatural uh the powers of the mind the powers of the subconscious mind uh that dictate our actions or inactions uh, it believe it or not, as difficult as that is to believe it, it falls all under the one umbrella of the human condition all right uh and that we're always we're always a work in progress we're always a work in progress like i as i was explaining to you there's never a moment that you can say i'm done but, but the only time you're done is when you're really done but even when we are older we still have things that we have to address because of what's happening in our lives at that moment in time whether it's our age health problems um things with our family sometimes even the loss of a partner there's no such thing i want to say that for human being where we're ever static we're not in that concept once you let go of that of that hope that we're just static beings it's easier because yeah one thing is to have your routine we all like our routines i like my routines you know our favorite stuff you know that makes us us that's different but that expectation that or as you grow older that things just don't change no and some people adapt to it easier better than others but that thing that things just stay frozen in time not really and once you let go of that illusion because really that's all it is is an illusion uh and you take responsibility for your actions the good and the bad in the in-between 
I think that we become happier people, and which is basically what we all strive to be happy and content while we're alive. Um, that can mean different things for different persons. Uh, not every, you know, and I think that, that, that that's why sometimes we run into problems where people want to dictate to us what our happiness is or what's good for us all the time. But we're so different. Everybody's different. Uh, everybody, uh, as good, as long as the outcome is that you are a better human being or even if not better, happy. I guess my point is if you're a happy or content human being, chances are you're going to be better person to your fellow human beings. You're going to be more involved with creation and not destruction. When you're afraid, when you're angry, when you're sad, that's when you want to destroy because this is what it feels like inside. When you're not there, you're into creating, whether it's for you individually, for your friends, your family, those around you, the world at large. Um, yeah, the, the how you feel is the kind of output that you put out. Let's face it, happier, more content human beings overall serve society and the world, you know, by extension, if you want to like look at it as an expanding thing from on an individual basis to our family, to our neighborhoods, to the town, to the city, to the state, and then so on and so forth. Yeah, the happier we are, the more content we are, the more, um, how can I tell you, hopeful we are. That is like a ripple effect collectively as what kind of world comes about during our lifetimes. Because let's face it, once you're not here, it's like, okay, you're, you're beyond this. What is it? The, the mortal coil, you know? So, you know, that's that. And for you, because I'm thinking, you know, I'm dressed like this because I did this interview <laughs> with Carol <laughs> in the middle of the day. And it's, I have a tank top on because it's really, really hot outside. And I've been working with my animals outside and I had to run in here and do this interview for her. And I know that sometimes with other interviews, I'm a little bit more dressed up, but it's really, it's like in the high nineties here in South Florida. And when you're out there, by the way, it's very sunny out there. And when you're working with animals and chickens, which I know a lot of you are hearing more often because, well, I fed everybody this morning so that they wouldn't be like looking at me through my French doors going like, Hey lady, where's our food? Um, yeah, that's why I'm dressed like this in a tank top because this is normal farm attire when you live in a subtropical climate and it's in the high 90s. So anyway, guys, again, I urge you to look up Carol, find her on Facebook. You can also find her on Amazon. She's got a great show going on. Check her out. You know, subscribe to her if you have to. And again, thanks for tuning in. Take care. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Just hearing the word cancer can be frightening. At Kaiser Permanente, we're a leader in the prevention, early detection, and treatment of cancer. We keep track of your cancer screenings and remind you when it's time for the next one. And if you ever do hear that word, our teams of specialists use cutting-edge treatments to help make other words like hope, recovery, and cancer-free possible. Kaiser Permanente, tomorrow's health care, today. Learn more at kp.org thrive.
Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.